Happy Easter 2022. I'm excited to share the sermon, my Easter sermon from this last week that we did at our church, which really, again, falls in line with the essence of what the idea of the word revolutionary, the way that I use it, in that we're going to examine today, all right, not just what was so revolutionary about Easter, but what we should revolve our lives around to see certain results, especially the results of the resurrection. I'm not going to stand here and tell you and talk and try to convince you that, hey, Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. I'm not going to do that today. Um, We're going to do something a little different because, see, there is still to this day, 2000 years later, even secular scholars and historians are still confused on how some dude named Jesus on the other side over there in Israel has had this lasting impact for all this time. So I'm not going to argue that he is alive. I believe that he is. But my question to you is not can you answer is he alive? My question to you is, can you answer this question? Does Christ live in you? That's the question I want you to consider today. Does Jesus live in you? And I'm going to say it a little differently. Are you saved? I'm going to ask one last question. How do you know that to be true? Can you be sure about that? See, guys, uh, I'm going to talk about that big 800-pound gorilla, all right, that big elephant in the room. We're going to talk about it today. I'm going to say the quiet thing out loud. You know what that is? And this happens in church and there's Christian circles that there's a lot of Christians that on the face out, you know, talking to you, they will say, oh, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe. But deep down, they're like, I'm not sure. All right. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say the quiet thing out loud because the chances are it's a good chunk of you guys and online that say, I I believe that he does live. But it's hard for me to believe that I'm saved. I don't know. I'm not sure. So if you are answering that question, I've already bothered you, which is good. I'm glad I'm bothering you, but I want you to know you're not alone. In fact, that's one of the top Christian searches on Google. You know that? How do I know that I'm saved? That is a major question. How do I know Christ lives today? And I'm here to tell you guys, look, there's nothing more important than knowing Jesus. But at the same time, you can see that there's nothing more important than also knowing for sure that you're saved, right? Because to live in that anxiety is unnecessary. But there is, at the same time, there's nothing more beautiful to know Christ and know that you're saved. There's nothing more tragic to assume that you are and then find out that you're not, and then it's too late. So how do we deal with that fear? How do we deal with that fear? How do we deal with that anxiety? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. And we're going to look at a place in the book of Acts to help us to better understand that, all right? So we're going to put it on the screen for everybody. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts uh, chapter 9. If you don't have that online, I got you. Everybody here as well. You don't have to flip through your phones. I know you're checking your TikTok, all right? Don't leave it alone. Be, if you're going to be on your phone, be on your Bible app, and that's it. If not, I got the book. We're going to put it on the screen. So if you have it, if you don't have it, you can read along, all right? So let's read Acts 9, verses 36, all the way through 42. All right, here we go. So in Joppa, verse 36, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas, all right? I know that is on the top of everybody's list for, I want a granddaughter with that name. Sounds weird, but we'll go, we'll get back to that later. She was, check this out, what was she doing? Always doing what? Good works and acts of charity about the time that she became what sick and what happened to her? She died. 
After washing her, they, they placed her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda, which is the town, was near Joppa, the other town, the disciples heard that Peter was there. And they sent two men to him and urged him, don't delay in coming with us. Don't delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs and all of the widows approached. Look, look at this. Look at this description. All of the widows approached him weeping, showing him the robes and clothes that Dorcas had made while she was with them. How, what an awesome legacy, right? Look at that. They, she was greatly missed because of what she did. But moving on, verse 40. Peter sent them all out of the room. He was like, all right, listen, uh, uh, enough of the clothes. Out, out, out. Okay. He sends them out of the room. He knelt down. He prayed. And turning towards the body, he says, Tabitha, what did he say? Say it with me. Get up. Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, sat up. And when he gave her his hand and helped her stand up, he then called the saints and the widows, and now he presented her alive. Interesting. Here's the widows presenting her garments, but here's Peter saying, oh, look who I got. All right. And presented her alive. All right. And this became known throughout all of Joppa. And what was the result? Many believed in the Lord. Now, I wish we had time to really unpack everything that's in there because there is so much beauty, so many cool things in there that we could see. But this is the one thing that I want to focus on and help you all to process. All right. So a miracle happened. Here's this lady. She died. She got sick and died and obviously rose from the dead like the scripture says. And so what was the result? What was the purpose? See, her physical resurrection led to the spiritual resurrection of others. Did you guys see that at the end? Her physical resurrection led to a spiritual one where others became saved because they saw God's power put on display. They all knew this lady was dead. They had washed it and they had did everything. It was confirmed. And here she is standing in front of them. And so her physical resurrection led to a spiritual resurrection. Now, as I was studying this verse with my wife, we were doing a Bible study earlier this week and she asked a question that bothered me. And so first of all, I needed the help because my ADD self was like all over the place. I was just ping, 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 ping all over, right? And so she asked a question. I was like, oh, I was thinking that too. And then we kind of locked in on this. And the question that she had was, why her? If you want to think about that, why her? Why did God raise her from the dead? Out of everybody that he could have done, out of everybody he could have used, why her? That was an important question. So when I started looking at that, I saw something else. Do you know that this is the first time someone rose from the dead since Jesus rose from the dead? In our story, we've been studying the book of Acts all year. And if from Jesus' resurrection, no one else had been raised from the dead up until now. And it happens to be this female disciple for some reason. Why her? So that bothered me. But at the same time, to know that this is the first documented resurrection of believer, that's interesting. So uh, we're going to come back to that in a minute. That's super interesting. But then as we were really looking and, and thinking about that, why her? Why did God raise her from the dead? I really started asking this question. Why would God raise any of us from the dead? Why would God raise any of us from the, our spiritual death? Why her? Okay, but why us? And so we're going to look at talking about the assurance of our salvation to know that how can you be sure? We're going to look at tab of the story because and by process of elimination, we're going to look at three big objections that people say or not objections, but more assumptions. Three assumptions that people have that think, oh, well, I'm saved because of 
Boom, 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 boom. So I'm sorry if one of these is your three, I'm about to dunk on you, all right? Because none of those are any good. So I'm trying to help you, ready? First one, let's put it on the screen. I want you to read it and to really think about it, all right? First one is this. I will go to heaven because what? I've done good deeds. All right, let's not, you don't have to raise your hand if you've, you've been the one to say that, all right? But, or you know, I'm sure you know, at least said that. You know somebody? Raise your hand online, you know, give me a, yep, I know somebody, right? Do you know somebody who's ever said that? I'm gonna go to heaven because I've done what? Good deeds. I've done good deeds. Well, guys, here's the thing. That is a false assumption. That is a false assumption that your good deeds can outweigh your bad. All right, that's a false assumption. So let's pretend there's a man named Dan, all right? Imagine Dan lived a perfect life, literally. All right. So he obeyed everything his parents ever told him. Some of y'all already were like, oh, that's nice. Right. This kid, imagine Dan obeying everything that his parents ever did. He, they never had an issue with him. He always obeyed everything the teachers always said. He always fulfilled every assignment, got 100% in every grade that he was given, perfect attendance throughout his whole school. And now he goes to college and he graduates top of his class. All right. This guy is amazing. The man recycles. He flosses every day. All right. There is no, I mean, he doesn't miss a day. He doesn't miss. All right. And so he goes and gets married and he would be considered father of the year. Literally, he could be considered husband of the year. He wins employee of the month every single time. All right. That's this man. Zero debt. Super generous. He's done everything perfect. He hasn't missed one thing. Well, let's say Dan is driving and he gets distracted from a phone call from his wife and he takes two seconds to see who's calling and he looks up and in those two seconds, he was distracted. He misses the pedestrian that was crossing the street, hits the pedestrian leading to that person's death. Now here's Dan standing in front of a judge. All right, would the judge say, Dan, listen, it's such a tragedy, man, I, I know this is so bad and I mean, you, you are such a valuable member to our society and to our community. And you know what? You're all of the life and all of the good things that you have done, you know, I think it could outweigh this one bad. As bad as it is, man, everything you've done in your life, literally, there's only one time you've messed up and it was, it was a mistake. It wasn't even your, you know, it was your fault, but it wasn't your fault. You didn't mean to. So you can go free, crime unpunished. Obviously, guys, would a judge do that? No, right? A judge wouldn't do that because his entire life of good deeds could not negate this one bad oops, this one bad mistake. Now, I go, all right, man, all right, Pastor, bro, you, you're exaggerating, bro. You're exaggerating. I was like, all right, fine. Let's just assume the same thing, and he gets distracted and runs a red light, all right? A good cop, being a good cop, he would still have to give him a ticket, right? And so even though he did nothing wrong, he would still have to pay the $100 or $200, whatever the ticket was, right? Because an entire life of good deeds could not negate the one bad that you, the crime you committed. Well, guys, see, that's the thing. It's like an entire life of good deeds cannot outweigh our one bad. And that's me assuming one man only did one thing wrong. Now, how many of us have done things wrong purposefully and accidentally? right? Way too much. Way too much. And I'm here to tell you guys, even if all you did was one thing, I don't care how small of a white lie it was, if all you did was one thing, a million lifetimes of good deeds could not outweigh that one bad. Because that is how heavy sin is. 
it is bigger and worse than you can ever imagine. And so there is not enough lifetimes that you can live to truly do enough good deeds to outweigh your own. It is not enough. This is why Paul says in Romans 3, 10 through 12, he says, there is no one righteous, no one righteous. He's quoting from many Old Testament scriptures. He says, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All, are, all alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Because again, our, all of our good deeds are so outweighed by our bad. And so it doesn't matter. And here's the thing, guys, your good deeds, or I'm sorry, your bad deeds did not dig a hole that you can't get out of. It's not like we all started like these beautiful babies that we got in the room, and you know, you're on a clean slate, and every time it's like, eh, right, there goes a hole, right? And the more you do things, there's a hole. No, you don't, you don't dig this hole with your bad deeds. No, you're born in it. You're born in it, and the, your good deeds are not enough to get you out of it. It is only what only God can scoop you out. He is the one, the only one that can deserve and gets the credit for your salvation because you can contribute nothing. You just contributed the problem. He can contribute the entire solution. So you can't take any credit for your being born again. In the same way, you can't take credit for being born the first time. All right. Anybody got birthdays this month online? Let me know. This is April. Anybody got a birthday in April? None? A couple? Happy birthday. We're not going to sing the song. All right. So here we go. So, all right. Listen. When you all celebrate your birthday, what are we celebrating? You, right? We're celebrating you. Can I ask you a question? What accomplishment did you have on the day of your birthday that deserves us to exalt you and to give you gifts and to sing us and sing? What did you do to deserve the, the celebration? What did you do? Nothing. You know what you did? That was it. That's all you did. That's all you did. You did nothing but be acted on. And um, that's it. You did nothing else. And here you are. We are celebrating you. If anybody deserves a gift on your birthday, it's the doctor who delivered you and didn't drop you, hopefully, right? It's the doctor who delivered you. It's the nurses who helped you. And it's your mom who did all the pushing. If anybody deserves a gift on your birthday, it should be her. Mom's in the house. You did nothing. You don't, can't take any credit for your birth something happened to you, right? Well, guys, in the same way, you can't take any credit for being born again. That is the act of God on you. He gets all of the credit. You can't do anything else. That's why Romans 5, 6 and 8, Paul continues on and says, for while we were still helpless, like kids, you were helpless, guys. You could not have, you know, figured it out in the womb. Like, I'm, I'm cramped. I'm like, I, how am I going to figure this out? I got to get out of here. Okay. No, you, you were helpless. You were helpless. My, listen, the doctor had to get me because I was doing flips inside of my mom. Like, like I got the thing stuck around there. I, I was helpless. If they didn't get me out, I'm dead. Okay, and so this is why Romans 5, 6, and 8, it says, while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for, listen to this, the ungodly, the ungodly, for rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might die, but God proves his love for us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. And so see, here's the thing, guys. The promise of our eternal life cannot be based on our good deeds, but rather the promise of eternal life is based on the one good deed that Jesus did when he died for sinners like 
us when we couldn't do anything for ourselves. So if you think you can get to heaven because of your good deeds, it is not enough. So that's the first one, all right? So next one. You're like, all right, pastor, fine. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I've done, I'm not perfect. I've messed up. But you know what? Here's the number two. I know I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a what? What is any of you guys see it? I'm a what? I'm a good person. I'm not a perfect person. I know I've messed up, but, but I'll go to heaven. I know I will because I'm generally a good person. Now, when you know somebody, you ever heard that one before? Now, when someone says they're a good person, what are they comparing themselves to? Right? Maybe each other, others, right? They're usually comparing themselves to somebody else. Like, listen, I know I'm not the easiest, but have you met so-and-so? Right? And it's like, I'm not the easiest. I know, but come on, man. Come on. Let's, I'm pretty sure God grades on a curve. I'm sure God grades on some kind of a curve. I'm okay. I'm generally a good person. I've messed up, but I'm generally a good person. Again, here's the thing. You're, again, basing that on the false assumption that God compares you to others. Did you hear that? God does not compare you to others, all right? And he says, okay, you know what? You're good, you're good, you're good. <laughs> wow, okay, you're good, you're good, okay? Okay, fine, you're fine, okay. No, I mean, God doesn't do that. He doesn't compare ourselves to others. Here's the thing, guys. You are supposed to compare yourself to Christ. You compare yourself to him. And when you compare yourself to him, it's not even close. It's not even close close. And see, that's the thing, guys, that we need to understand. And here's why there's the false assumption that you should compare yourself to somebody else. Because here's the thing, we're all the same. I don't care who you are. Some of y'all, I know a lot of y'all, some of y'all don't online. I see you, you, maybe I don't. But listen, I don't care. I don't need to know enough of you to know that we are all the same. Outside of Christ, we're all dead. We're all dead. We're all the same without Christ. We're all dead. And uh, I don't know if there's a different level. Any doctors in the house, is there a different level of deadness? You know, I mean, dead is dead, right? I don't care if you were dead for 10 seconds or a thousand years, is dead, dead. Dead is dead. It may look a little different, but dead is dead. Guys, listen, in, inside or without Christ, we are all dead. And I'm not the one telling you this, all right? Don't shoot the messenger, all right? We're not gonna have any Will Smith scenario, so no one's gonna come up here and slap me and touch me, okay? Don't do that. So listen, I'm not the one who said it. I'm not the one who said it, God did. Listen to what God, the Spirit says in Ephesians 2. All, not some, all. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead, but beautiful verse here. You were dead in your sins. He's talking to Christians. You were dead, but look what God did. But God, who is, we were dead, but in Christ, who is he? He is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us. He made us alive even when we were dead in the trespasses and sins, for by grace you have been saved. Do you see why that statement is so amazing? Because guys, listen, you're not just a bad person that needs to be better. You're dead, and your only solution is to be raised back from the dead into life. You're not a bad person that needs to be better. You're dead that needs to be resurrected. Without Christ, it's the only thing. And so this is so important for us, guys, because see, again, what did I say? Dead is dead, right? Dead is dead. And so there is something, when, when, when you're dead, what can you do? What can you do for yourself if you're dead? Thank you, all right, you guys are smart. Nothing, right? Because something is off. But here's the thing, guys, you, I, we're all breathing right now in the room, online you're watching, we're all breathing. But there's, outside of Christ, there was something in us that's dead, it's off, and throws even our good deeds off. Even if we tried our best. All right, now listen, 
uh, earlier this man earlier this year I can't remember um, I know uh, Lewis and Mateo we were all there um, we went uh, to the gun range um, earlier this year with a bunch of guys from church all right and so we went and said yep pastor likes to do that it was fun all right we went to the gun range and uh, apparently uh, I'm a pretty good shot all right so uh, I'm pretty decent all right now I don't have one yet but I don't have one but I was using uh, my friends and so they had some stuff out there right and so John you were there right and so we were all doing a bunch of stuff we were all shooting and you know it was, all right this is pretty cool I had a nice little cluster going and uh, a lot of the different stuff and I used a, a variety of things but then I go and I try to uh, I try a new gun that I haven't tried yet and I, I, I know what I'm supposed to do so I'm locked in I'm loaded you know I, I, I got it I'm ready to go and it was a, it was a handgun actually so better uh okay I guess like that so I had a handgun and uh I'm just emptying the clip all right, I'm emptying the clip on this sheet of paper and just going at it. And then I, the scariest thing probably that has happened, I'm just firing this gun in the middle of me firing somebody just on my shoulder. Oh my gosh. And it's like, I, that must have, I mean, seriously, the Holy Spirit was on me in order not to, bro, what the, you know, like I didn't turn around. I mean, bro, you are firing a gun. You don't sneak up on somebody that's firing a gun. What are you doing? All right, and so thank God I had enough I, I literally, you know, I, I took the, the, the finger off the trigger. I turned around. I'm like, what? At first, I was going to yell at somebody because I was like, who does that? Okay, who does that? It was an employee. And the employee was like, hey, you know, you have to yell because you got headphones on, right? It's like, lift up your gun. I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? It's like, you're hitting the floor. And I was like, all my shots were just going straight, bam, 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 ricocheting off the concrete, just pop, 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 pop. And I'm over here saying, thinking I'm John Wick and just lighting this dude up. And so I was like, no, what? What do you mean? I mean, I had been firing a gun for at least 30 minutes. And again, I was doing pretty decent and the paper was pretty far out. And so I was like, bah, you lying. So, you know, bring that paper all the way in. And I look at that paper, I didn't even nick the corners. I didn't even nick an edge. And I'm like, how? I don't understand. I had, listen, I ain't gonna lie. I'm not bragging, but I ain't gonna lie. I had perfect form. I was locked in. I had the sight. I was doing everything right. I had good breathing. I was calm. My stance, my shoulders were locked. Everything was good. How? And I didn't believe him. And then I did the same thing and I fired and I was looking. I'm like, oh wow, there is ping, ping, ping. I was so confused because I did everything perfectly to be so far off. That was weird. The problem was is that something was wrong with the gun. Not me, it wasn't my fault, okay, so it, wasn't, it was not me. But every gun has different, you know, things to it. And this one just had something that was a little off. It was slight, but it was slight enough that when I fired it, what I thought was aiming for here, it ended up way down there. Something was off and it, and it, and it caused me to miss the mark. And see, that's the thing. Without Christ, you have something off in your soul. It's called your, sin, your soul is dead. And even you can do everything perfectly, but even in your perfect attempt, it's going to be way off because something is off in you. You see that? This is why Paul says in Romans in 3.23, he says, all have sinned and fallen short. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, the standard, and not by a little bit. No, it is embarrassing. Like I, that, that is as embarrassing as that story was. It was worse than that. We are that off, even in our good deeds, because we're not a good person because we're dead. And that deadness throws off even our good deeds. That's why it is not enough. But I love how he continues. He doesn't leave you and saying, listen, uh, you've all fallen short. He says this in the next verse. Yet, he says this, they, who's the they? The ones who have fallen short. 
they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So guys, look at this. Even though we are all far off and we all miss the mark, Jesus Christ freely restores us, freely gives us new life, not because we earned it because it's embarrassing our attempt, but because of his great love. Even though we were way off, he can make things right in us. That is what this, everything about Jesus does is so amazing, guys. And that's why the promise of salvation cannot be based on our good deeds. It can't be based on our goodness because we're not. But rather, our salvation is based on the goodness of Jesus who was treated on the cross as if he lived our imperfect life so that God the Father can now treat us like if we lived Jesus' perfect life. Did you get that? Because of what Jesus did, God, Jesus was treated on the cross as if he lived our imperfect life. So that now God the Father can treat us like if we lived Jesus' perfect life, but we didn't. That is why this is a gift. This is what the grace of God means. So that's the second one. Now the third one, I was like, all right, pastor, leave me alone, bro. Leave me alone. Okay, fine. I'm not a good, I've done bad things. I'm not perfect. You know, I know I got issues or whatever, but come on, I got you in this one. I got you, I got you, I got you. Pentecostal checkmate. I said a prayer one time, yo. I said a prayer one time, checkmate, got you. Now what you gonna say? I said a prayer one time. Anybody heard this one? How do you know you're saved? Well, I said a prayer. I said a prayer one time, a long time ago, and uh, that's how I know I'm saved because I said a prayer one time. Um, time out, flag on the play. Okay, because you got to process this. Be careful when you use that one. I know I'm saved because I said a prayer one time. Be careful if you use that excuse. Because listen, you can't point. Remember the initial question from today is, does Jesus live in you now? Right? Does Jesus live in you today? You can't prove to me that Jesus lives in you today if you're going to have to look backwards to say, I did this one day. See, listen, that past experience has to have present evidence. Listen to that, because I'm going to help you on this one. That past experience that you have means nothing if you don't have present evidence. That's what that means. And you got to be able to examine yourself to say, okay, well, what is that evidence? You got to examine yourself. Again, I'm not the one who says it. Paul told the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he says, test yourself. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself. Or do you yourselves not recognize that Christ is in you now unless you fail the test? Like he's literally telling these people, look, and, and now as Christians, it doesn't mean that we're always like, oh no, am I saved yet? Am I? Like we don't have to live in fear and anxiety. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, hey, you should have some good gut checks for a minute. This isn't something you don't want to assume, you know? You don't want to assume you're saved and just kind of coast through life. So no, 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 no. Examine your heart. Make sure See, is there evidence right now? This is something we're all called to do. And so a good way to pray, uh, a good way to think about it is this. If you've ever had someone or if you've ever said, well, I prayed a prayer, so I know I'm saved. Well, let me ask you a question. Has your Christian prayer led to any Christian practice? That's, that's the way you got to process it. Has any Christian prayer led to Christian practice today? All right. That's the important part. And, and there's one thing. Here's what you're looking for, guys. When you're examining yourself, when you're examining your heart, here's what you're looking for. Is there a new love? Is there a new desire that was not there before? 
Like, when I gave my life to Jesus, all right, when I, whenever that was, if you don't remember the day, listen, I don't either, so it's okay. So, um, if you don't remember the day, but notice, all right, before Jesus, I, this is who I was, but now I'm kind of have the tendencies. But you know what? There is a new desire. There is a new love that exists now that did not exist then. That's the important thing that you're looking for. That's the important thing you're looking for. So John says this, 1 John 5.13, he says this, look, I have written these things. This is the, the Apostle John, all right? The John 3.16 guy. John, he says later in life, he writes 1 John 5.13, he says, I have written this letter. What's the letter? 1 John. So that these things, I've I write these things to you so that you who believe in the, in, the, in the name of the Son of God, being Jesus, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Guys, did you know, Paul tells his church, examine yourself. And John in his letter says, here's the test. All right, you wanna examine yourself? Here's the test. John, first John is the test. So now we're, gonna, we're not gonna read all of first John, but I'm gonna give you a version, all right? I'm, so here we go. We're gonna, we're gonna take a test right now, all right? Some of y'all, I'm sorry you didn't study. I wish, uh, you know, I could've given you some prep time, but some of y'all, y'all know you would have had the test and you still would not have studied. You know who you are, all right? You know you, you still wouldn't have bothered. You would've Christmas treated that, all right? But listen, you can't Christmas tree this one. So here we go. We're gonna take a test, y'all ready? So again, we're looking for that new life, that new love, that new desire. So you're, you're hunting right now in your own heart, in your own mind, you're hunting for this. So I'm gonna ask a bunch of questions to see if it exists. Ready, here we go. Is there a love for God in your life? Any kind, is there a love for God in your life? Do you find yourself enjoying thinking about Him? Do you enjoy praying to Him? Do you have a desire to pray to Him that you didn't have before? Is it different? Are you grateful for what he has done for you? Are you excited for Jesus's return? I know some of y'all are like, yo, these gas prices got me ridiculous. Jesus, help me. I know, I get, listen. Are you excited for Jesus's return? Do you find yourself enjoying his word, the Bible? Do you desire to learn more about God? Do you desire to read the Bible and wish you could understand it better? Do you have a desire to obey God's word? Do you find yourself wanting to do better in honoring him with your life? Do you find a decrease in a certain sinful habit and an increase in a righteous one? Are you struggling to love old things that you used to enjoy doing? Are you struggling to love certain things that you are doing now wishing that you could be set free from these things? Now, that's some of the questions, let's just pause because these expressions of love are important, but ultimately God has told us that your love for God is revealed by your love for others. So let me continue the final part of the test. Here we go. Here's the back page. There's always a back, right? There's always a back to the test. Do you recognize a love for Christians that did not exist before Christ? Do you have a love for the church and those within it? Do you have a love for those that are not a part of the church? Do you have a growing concern for the salvation of others? Here's a good one. Do you struggle to love people wishing you could love and serve them better? All right, that's the test. So how'd you do? All right, now hold on, all right? Before you start, because some of y'all are like, man, I came to Easter Sunday to be encouraged and now I'm doubting my existence. Okay, no, calm down. Okay, before you go off, before you go off the edge, just wait a minute. Because see, I probably should have helped you with this first. I gave you the test before telling you how to grade yourself, right? 
Anybody here already just giving yourself, listen, bro, F minus across the board, all right? I don't know if you were doing that, but see, you're using the wrong letters. If you're doing, if you just took that test and you're giving yourself and you're using letters between A and F, you missed it. That's not how you grade yourself, all right? If you had a report card that we can pull out right now, it would not say, you know what, A, B minus, F, D. All right, this guy's trying, you know, C's get degrees. Not in this case, okay? So... Those are the wrong letters, it's not A through F. If you took this test well, and if you're gonna, here's how you pass. You need two letters, N-I. What does N-I mean? Needs improvement. If you scored a needs improvement, good. So did I, just so you know. Needs improvement is okay because this test, guys, is not about perfection. Again, you're not going to present this test before God and he's going to say, oh, you got a 70? All right, bro, you just made it, bro. I know. You know, it's like, you know, oh, 85, you got a 90, this guy with his 46. No, no. Listen, that's not it. If you took this test and you see an NI needs improvement, that's okay because God's not looking for perfection and neither should you. For God, this test is pass or fail. Not on perfection, it is based on progress. It is based on progress. Let me read to you 2 Peter 1. Because Peter, the same guy who raised uh, Tabitha from the dead, at the end of his life, he writes this letter to the church to encourage them. And 2 Peter says this, he being Jesus, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. There it is, what his deeds and good goodness. By these, God's deeds, God's goodness, he has given us a very great and precious promises so that through them, you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that's in this world because of evil desires. For this reason, look at his encouragement, make every effort to supplement to your faith, not just believing, but your believing should impact your behavior. In what way? Supplement in your faith. He says, goodness, and with goodness, knowledge. Goodness is everything that's good from God. Knowledge is knowing God, and let that knowledge producing you self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness. You're now you're reflecting Christ more and more. Godliness with brotherly affection towards Christians and brotherly, and brotherly affection with love towards all. For if you, watch this, if you possess these things, that was the test we just took. That was the summarized one. If you possess these things, he says, in increasing measure, not in perfect measure. He says, if you have it in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things, listen, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. That's what he was saying there. So Peter is talking about the test. He says you should confirm your salvation. How? By the evidence of the love, because of God's good deeds, because of God's goodness, there should be something in you. And he said, in what kind of measure, guys? Increasing measure. So if you notice, listen, I had an F minus, but now it's a D minus. You celebrate that, because you know what that is? That's increasing measure. Christ celebrates that. You may see, huh, I got a long way to go, but it's okay. The point is, guys, listen, you may not be who you want to be, but if you are not who you used to be, praise God because you are alive in him. That is an increasing measure. 
that is what we're looking for. We all have needs of improvement. So what we're looking for, guys, is again, that new heart, that new heart that is there because God is not just making you over. Listen, salvation is not a makeover. Salvation is a takeover by the Holy Spirit in your life. And so you got to see increasing measure. Do you feel a pulse? That's what you're looking for. All of those questions are, you're looking for one thing, not a lot of things. It's one thing. Do you feel a pulse? Do you see something existing that wasn't there before? I don't care how small it was. If you don't, then that should cause you to really reflect because listen guys, there's a lot of very, there's a lot of religious Christians that they, they, they enjoy their religious acts. And because, listen, I go to church when I can, I read when I can, I do this when I can. Listen, if, you're, if your religious acts are more of a duty than a delight, something's not right. Got it? If your religious duties are more of, if your religious acts are more of a duty and it's not a delight, something is not right. And I'm here to tell you not to shame you, but to help you to understand that. So that's what you're looking for, guys, the needs improvement, all right? That's what you're looking for. It's like a hearing test. Anybody remember taking a hearing test uh, when you were a kid? You guys remember those? All right, some of y'all, that just that was, that was fun, right? They get those things there, and what do you have to do? Some of y'all remember, maybe, you, maybe you know, an adult, I gotta do this now, right? What was the point? You had to raise your what? Hand if you did what? If you hear, that's it. Now, were they grading you on how good you heard? You know, it was just, do you hear something, right? Not here, right? So do you, do you hear anything? That's what they're looking for. Did the doctor saying, do you hear anything? And you had to raise that hand. Oh, I heard it in this ear. I heard it in that ear. Well, you're just listening for what? You're listening for the hum. Guys, I'm telling you, if you hear the hum, if you hear a hum of the love of God, you know what that is? If you sense that pulse in your soul, the low hum even of that pulse, that is the pulse of the Prince of Peace and Lord of Lords that is alive in you. That is how you know you're saved if you hear the hum. So if you hear that hum, it's not noise. You should raise both hands and say, I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved because I sense the love of God in me. I see it. Yeah, it needs improvement. I got a lot going, but it's there. You should celebrate that very thing. So now, now that you got your score, now that you took the test, now let me ask you, how'd you do? Did you pass the test? Did you sense that hum there? Did you sense the hum, the pulse of the Savior in your life? Do you sense that? Now, I'm going to tell you, Tabitha passed the test. We know she passed because that's how we, you know, God raised her from the dead, right? You, we saw the good deeds that she did. She was a disciple. That's how the Paul, that's how Luke really writes this. He describes her a disciple, right? And so, but here's the thing, guys. I don't care what the, Tabitha did or the amount of good deeds. Her good deeds did not cause her to deserve a second life. God's thinking, oof, man, you know what? Ah. Uh, my bad guys my bad you know what i think dorcas needs an extra second shot at life i she was she was a little too valuable more valuable than i assumed so listen just wait up until wake up wake up wake up get back on because i need you listen god didn't make a mistake god chose her for a reason and god did not raise her from the dead because of her good deeds she did good deeds because god raised her from the dead spiritually before she was ever raised from the dead physically she did good deeds because of what god had done she believed in christ jesus and God rose her from the dead to demonstrate his power to those who were living then. But now, guys, listen, it's a reminder. It's a reminder today of our future eternal promise. I told you, listen, there's things in the Bible you, you don't just glance over. This is the first time the word disciple was used in the feminine, used for this woman. 
Why? God did something unique here. And look at her name. Her name, Tabitha, Dorcas. We had two names. Tabitha was Aramaic name. Dorcas was her Greek uh, was her Greek name. They both mean the same thing. It's like saying Juan and John. All right. So imagine the same name said two different languages. But you know what Tabitha and Dorcas means? It means gazelle. What does that mean? In the Old Testament, God always used gazelle in gazelles in the Old Testament to to represent beauty, and associated it with women. And particularly, King Solomon in the book Song of Songs used gazelles to attach it to the love interest of the king. The gazelles were attached to the love interest of the king. She was beautiful, described in this way. So here is Tabitha, gazelle, beautiful. And so what is this? Guys, listen, Tabitha's story is the story of all of us. Because in the same way that God raised this beautiful disciple from the dead, God will raise his beautiful bride, the church, one day from the dead. It's the same thing. The, way, the same way Peter called her by name and she opened her eyes and became alive and sat up. That's what Jesus is doing now and did for many of us. When he called you by name and some of you responded, hopefully many of you, you responded then and God awakened you and you sat up into new life. But one day Christ, in the same way Peter reached out his hand, picked her up from the bed and presented her to who? The widows and the saints alive. When Christ returns, he will extend his hand to his bride and pull her out from the grave and present us, present all who believe in Jesus to the Father and to all of the heavenly hosts. He will present us forgiven, made new and alive. This is what he's going to do for his bride one day, which is us. If you believe in Jesus, that is our result. Guys, this future result is a guarantee, but it's only a guarantee to those who respond to the resurrection on this side of eternity. And we respond by receiving Christ as Lord. So again, I'm going to ask you that question one more time. Did you notice a pulse? Do you notice a pulse? Something that did not exist before. A love that was, I know you may want to, some of you, that, that love is frustrating because you would want to love God better and do more and this and that, but don't be so ashamed. There is no condemnation in Christ that that pulse should lead to you to praise God. And that pulse should lead you to praise and that pulse should lead you to pray. God, help me. Help me to further put everything into practice. Help me to do that. You know, Paul tells one last, last verse I'm going to read today. God tell, well, Paul tells his son in the faith, Timothy, this in chapter two. He says, for the grace of God has appeared in the resurrection of Jesus bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny saying no to godlessness and worldly lust and to live, meaning to say yes in sensible, righteous and godly ways in the present age today. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us for himself, a people for his own possession. Look at this eager. There's that desire again, eager to do good works. And the good works is to know God and make him known. So guys, if you have, if those of you in here that you have this desire, there is a desire and eagerness to just be better and to do better, to reflect God, to know him, to make him known. If there's an eagerness in you, you got a pulse. That means you're alive. That means Christ lives in you and that should lead you to praise his name. But if you don't, maybe somebody online too, I can't see you, but I know God sees you. 
you don't feel that pulse. You don't sense that pulse. You have no desire in you to worship right now because worry is really what's building up. Well, I don't want you to worry for too long because if you can't praise his name, you know what we can do? We can call on the name of Jesus. That's what he says, if you can, his word says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, that's the key thing. Because you got a lot of people that confess, but they don't really believe. That's the problem. They confess Jesus, but they really don't believe that he's alive and it reflects in their actions. There's no present practice because they didn't believe this part. They confessed, they did the first part. It's the second one. Do you truly believe that he is alive? Because to believe that is to then assume, why is he alive? Why is he risen from the dead? And why did he die to begin with? It's all tied back to, again, you were in need of a great savior. Our sin was great, yet our savior is great enough for that sin, great enough for that. And so if you don't sense that pulse, don't worry. All right, don't worry for too long. Call on his name because all who confess his name and believe in their hearts, they are saved. Guys, listen, no, no further questions asked. That is it. That is all that God requires. And I thank God that's all he required of me. Some of you, aren't you grateful that is all that God required of you? And I pray that for some of you, and I only God knows this, guys, because there are way too many, way too many confessing Christians in name only and my heart is number one if you are a believer in Christ I pray that you walk out of here with an extra pep in your step because you noticed the pulse that is there number one for number two I really I want some of you to walk out of here not using the first person to describe your salvation anymore that you realize wait a minute I was putting my faith in the wrong thing and thank God that I shifted before it was too late that is my heart for us because, and that's why I challenge all of us here, guys. Listen, this isn't just for some. This message is for me too. We are called to respond to the resurrection every day. We are called to respond to the resurrection every day. So whoever is listening online, later on a replay, whatever, respond to the resurrection. And if you do, and the more you do, you receive the assurance of your salvation because everyone who believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. We will not be disappointed. Jesus is alive. And those who believe that and those who repent and trust in his name will find a life that lasts forever. But you can only find that if you respond to the resurrection. Respond to the resurrection of Jesus every single day. See, this is the one thing, if we could revolve our lives around the resurrection, it changes everything. In fact, that's what Paul talked about. That's what Peter talked about. Literally, the Christian faith revolves around one event, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. That is what has changed the world because Jesus changed everything when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And as believers, we need to constantly keep ourselves anchored on that. That's why Romans says, for those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, but the key thing is, but they ultimately believe in their hearts. See, there was something deep down inside that they believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Too many confess, but really don't. People live as if they don't believe. 
But when you believe that, that will infiltrate your life. And it should. So I pray that you took the test well today. And I want you to just continue to take that test every single day, not to affirm your salvation, but to affirm where are areas in which the Holy Spirit needs to guide you in to grow. Pay attention to the hum of the Holy Spirit, the love of God as he leads you into truth. Respond to that. Respond to God's word. Apply it more so you don't stumble into short-sightedness and forget that Jesus has died on the cross. Don't lose sight of that, that your sins have been washed away. Rather, respond to the resurrection and let his love and the knowledge of who Jesus is fan that flame.